Everybody's anxious for a forecast. You know why? Because, I, you know, some of you may have noticed that I'm growing a little extra facial hair down in here. When, when a meteorologist starts looking like Grizzly Adams, you might be thinking that uh, maybe we're in for a rough winter coming up. Because it takes me a little while to, to, to uh, have that develop, so I thought I'll, I'll start it now because the winter is looking interesting. It always looks interesting. As Dick Goddard used to say when, when, we did the, um, when we did the winter weather outlook, folks, it's going to turn cold and it's going to snow. <laughs> to what degree, no pun intended, is, is the real question. Well, we do have cloud cover this morning. Don't worry, the sun is going to come back just like it did yesterday. It's going to be a pleasant afternoon, so what better time to dig into God's Word while it's overcast? Let the atmosphere do its thing. The sun will come back, and when we're all done, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy another great day just like yesterday. So there's your forecast. Um, it, it will cool down a little bit on Tuesday, 70s, but the next day, 90 or 92. Uh, that's the way it goes around here. And in Northeast Ohio, uh, I think there'll always be room for meteorologists because of that. So there's your forecast in a nutshell. Uh, we are going to be starting a new series, a six-week series called What's So Important? What's So Important? And we're talking about why it's so important to congregate together. Do you get that word? Congregate together. Uh, at a local church. And um, we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty and, and we'll get into the, the introduction before we really get our hands into what God has to say about why it is so important to come together as a group of believers. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy the study as much as I'm enjoying digging into it and, and navigating through it. Uh, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, you're visiting today, and if you are visiting, or maybe you're watching online, and you're thinking about coming to New Promise Church, well, this is a good series to listen to, and I think you're going to find it uh, really satisfying, and you're going to discover that your time spent here is not wasted time at all. As a matter of fact, it is time very, very well invested. So before we go into the Word, and remember what I said last week, if I ever forget to pray before going into a service or before going into the message, you have my permission to stand up and say, wait, you didn't pray, because never do I want to approach any kind of a message without God's anointing, uh, because without it, it falls flat, and it doesn't doesn't really reach your hearts. So let's pray together. You know, when we, when we assemble here on stage initially to sing songs, it's, it's not a futile exercise. It's to invite the Holy Spirit here. And when we invite God here through worship, it opens up the gateway. And so now let's complete that and Ask him to anoint the words 
So join me with me now in prayer. Father, thanks for this day. Uh, thank you that we're all assembled here together to learn more about what you say about getting together as a community of believers um, and to help us to see what you have in this and that our time invested on Sunday mornings <clears throat> is really um, very, very well invested indeed. Open up your word to us. Help us to see what you have for us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. <clears throat> well, as I mentioned, we're going to start digging into the topic of why it is so important to get together as a group of believers. Over the course of the next six weeks, it is my hope <clears throat> that all of us are going to draw close to each other as a church, quote-unquote church, not New Promise Church, but the church. And we'll be exploring the definition of the church next week, and that's going to help us in our journey. But like all other collective bodies of believers, New Promise Church, well, it's not Pastor Andre's church. It's not Pastor Dale's church, or it's Pastor Rory's church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. This is his church. He has called this into being, and he has called us to be a part of it. And that's what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. So during the next six weeks, we're going to answer the question, what's so important about the church in today's culture? And even more importantly, why it needs to be a top priority in our lives. Again, I think you're going to be enriched by this as I was digging into it. I was reminded with a lot of the nuances of this very question of God's word. And now I, on Sunday morning, I always got up with anticipation of being here with you or wherever it was I was supposed to be on Sunday mornings. But this really energizes me. And I think and I hope it will do the same thing for you. But let's face it, the trend is alarming. Our arch enemy is constantly trying to distract us with absolutely anything that will pull us away from deepening our relationship with God. Hey, look, he even tried distracting Jesus during that period of temptation when Jesus was spending that time in the desert. For those of you who would like to read it that, there's a great account. It's in many of the Gospels, but Matthew chapter 4 is probably one of my favorite. Well, it's no different today. If our enemy, the devil, is busy, was busy trying to distract Jesus from his mission, how much more is he going to be distracting all of us today? He will. So distraction is, is nothing new. And we can understand why a non-believer would rate the importance of being part of a local church 
near the bottom of their list. But the alarm bells ought to be ringing as loud as a five alarm fire when born again Christians say that they can worship God without a church family. Let me say that again. We need to be sounding the alarm when born again Christians, and you know they're born again Christians, say, I don't need the local church. Worse yet, replace the church with saying that you can worship God anywhere you want, maybe using your favorite driver on the back nine at your favorite golf course. Not to say, though, that you can't worship God at a golf course. Sure you can. But it's not meant to be a replacement for gathering together as a body of believers. And we'll be exploring why that is. Too many well-meaning Christians today are questioning why they should be a part of a local church. So we're going to spend some time looking at God's Word to see God's reason why all believers should consider the weekly assembly of his children as, get this, non-negotiable. It's not a point of negotiation. It really is something we need to do, need to do. And by the end of the series, my guess is you will never say, I need to go to church today you'll be getting up on Sunday morning saying, I want to go to church today. And many of you are already there. And for those of you that already get up on Sunday morning saying, I can't wait to get to church today, this will add fuel to the fire and make that fire even brighter. How many here remember a gentleman by the name of Dr. James Dobson? Oh, wow, that's great. He, he was the founder of Focus on the Family in the 1970s, I want to say. It started in California. He then moved Focus on the Family to Colorado Springs, Colorado. He's still uh, on the board today uh, as uh, a board member emeritus, uh, and he has his own new ministry too, uh, very similar to Focus on the Family. He has a great podcast uh, a daily podcast Monday through Friday. You can always uh, check it out sometime. But let me tell you a little story about Dr. James Dobson. And the reason is because it has to do with today's message. And it stuck in my head the very first time he told this story on Focus on the Family. That had to have been 20 or maybe 25 years ago. That story is still fresh in my mind today. And it is so relevant today. Let me tell you the story of a weekend when Dr. Dobson's family was quite young. Focus on the family had just begun, maybe a couple of years old. It was still in California at the time. And he decided to take his family on a ski trip. They're all avid skiers. They love skiing. Of course, in California, all you have to do is drive one hour from L.A. into the mountains and you're in the snow in the wintertime. So that's what they did. They packed the car on a weekend 
must have been a Friday, I think it was, and, and after school, everybody drove up to the ski lodge, they, they got in, they got into their accommodations, and uh, then they got word that there was a big storm coming, big storm, which is good for skiers because it was gonna snow a lot. And sure enough, when they woke up on Saturday, it was snowing so hard and the winds were so strong that essentially they were recommending skiers, they weren't telling them, but they were recommending, hey, don't go on the slopes today. The storm's real bad, visibility is bad, the wind is very, very strong. You know, stay put and hopefully the weather will improve. So that's what they did. They broke out the board games, they had some fun, they had family meal, and they watched the storm go by. Well, Sunday morning, they woke up, and the skies were brilliantly clear. And it was, they were gonna go back to Southern California that night. And uh, so Dr. Dobson, who always made sure that his family was at church on Sunday morning, looked at the sky and thought, wow, here it is, beautiful sky. It's the last day we're gonna be here, we have to go back. I'm gonna make an exception. We can all go skiing. Let's go skiing and let's take advantage of, of this gorgeous day. And when he did that and announced that, their youngest, I believe it was their youngest son, began to cry. It's like, what? it's gorgeous outside. Look at the weather. We're going to go skiing. What's the, what's the matter? What's the problem? He finally got it out of him. Dad, you always said that going to church was the most important thing to do on Sunday. Why aren't we going to church? Wow. Just think about that. Just think about what that did to his heart. I mean, he was trying to do something good for his family, but he realized that he was doing something counter of what he was trying to teach his family, and that church was important. Family meeting, brought everybody together. I made a mistake. If there's time to go skiing this afternoon after church, we'll do that but we're going to church this morning. And they changed the direction. That was a powerful moment in his family. Wow, it even moves me when I talk about that because I still hear that story today. And it moves me that he made that decision. He made that turnaround, an important one, because why? Getting together as a family of believers even in a strange place, in a church you normally don't go to with people you don't normally see, getting together with believers is a non-negotiable. So before we look at why Christian fellowship, which is what we'll be doing today, that aspect of getting together, why church is so important, fellowship, why this fellowship is a top priority in our lives. And this is a good place to remind ourselves why it is we need to assemble on Sunday morning every single week. So before we dig into fellowship, 
Why is it we assemble on Sunday morning every week? Is it the fellowship? Is it, is it kind of like a Christian club? No, no, no. Let's remind ourselves why it is we get together every Sunday morning. It's the message of the church. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Without Jesus' atoning death and resurrection for our sin, there's absolutely no reason to get together, at least in terms of a church. There's no reason. The reason we're here is because of what Jesus did for us, and of course, the exclamation point at the bottom of, of, the, of that exclamation point is his resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no good news, but there is, and that's why we get together. So, with that always running in the background for the next six weeks, we're now going to dig into fellowship. Uh, by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. That's what we were just talking about. That's the message. That's why we get together. Jesus is alive. He resurrected from the dead and put an exclamation point to his offer of eternal life for you. So when we come together every Sunday morning, we rally around the fact that Jesus paid this ultimate price. We have an advantage, by the way, over how the world does it. Well, you say, well, the world does it? Well, yeah. In about a month or two, you know what's going to happen? People will start to gather around a television or even head to a tailgate party at Muni Lot to have a tailgate party just before the stadium opens up for football. Full disclosure, right from the start, I love football. <laughs> I do. Don't ask me what teams I root for. It's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're okay. I come from <clears throat> New England, so, you know, for a long time, for a long time, the New England Patriots was, was like the dog team of the NFL. I mean, in the 70s growing up and in the 80s. And, and then, you know, finally, in the late 90s, they, they got our coach, Bill Belichick, and, of course, they started doing well. And, of course, they got this great, great Super Bowl uh, streak. And I'm from the Northeast. But Noah, and you'll see him here in a couple of weeks, helping out uh, Dan in the back, uh, but uh, you, can, you can confirm this with him. He doesn't allow me to, to root for the New England Patriots because they win too much. It's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of the 70s and 80s. They won too much. It's like, boring. I don't want to root for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'll root for the Browns. Don't worry, I'm not going to root for the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, although the temptation is there now for what, the Carolina Panthers, they've got Baker Mayfield. But we'll see, we'll see what happens with us. All right. I talk about this team because there's a similarity. They get together, they, the world does it that way. But there's a big difference between what we do here and what the folks at the Muni lot 
what they do. You see, they don't know if their team is going to win. Guess what? We win. We've, in fact, the victory has already been paid for us. The victory is already there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's even more reason to get together on Sunday morning. But there's way more, way, way more, and we will be exploring that in the next six-week period. Okay, turn with me. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have your phone and you have a YouVersion app, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Now, the whole context is verses 11 through 25, and that's an important thing. I'm going to let you read that uh, on your own. We will focus on verses 19 through 25. For those of you on YouVersion app, and if you're new, you just tip up, uh, click on More and Events, and you will see all of our notes today automatically come up. All of the scripture references were there. You can add notes, your own notes, uh, and then you can click on Save. That way you can look at them uh, and uh, make reference to them during the week if you like. So it's, it's a cool tool. Oh, I like that, cool tool. I'm a poet uh, and don't even know it. Okay, turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unwervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah, even back then, 2,000 years ago. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we're going to dig into this passage and find out what our response should be to the central message of the Bible, that is, the gospel. What should our response collectively as this body of believers coming together every Sunday, what should our response be? And all of the answers are in this passage. Number one, the desire to be in his presence. The desire to be in his presence. We see that in verses 19 through 22. Again, let's look at that passage. Therefore, brothers and, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. Stop there. What, what is this curtain? Do you remember? The curtain that separated the holy of holies from the outer court. 
Nobody except the, the chief priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies because that's where God resided. And if by some strange quirk or chance he went in in an unworthy fashion and he dropped dead, nobody could go in and get him. They, they tied a rope around his ankle so securely that if he dropped dead, they could pull him out and nobody else would have to die in the process. That's the curtain that was ripped in two when Christ died on the cross. You can read the accounts in the Gospels. And how did it rip? And first of all, that fabric, no human could rip. It was thick. It was so thick that um, this atlas couldn't even put, put a little tear in it. That's how thick this, this curtain was. And it was ripped from the top down by God's very hand. Now we can all enter into the Holy of Holies. That's the curtain that we're talking about here. And then we continue. That is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we have, the first of all, the desire to be in his presence. I hope that's what drives you to be here, the desire to be in God's presence. This, isn't, this is not a Christian club, although fellowshipping with one another is a very good thing, but that's not the centrality of it. It's the gospel and it's the desire to want to be in God's presence. You can do that alone, but you can get so much more out of it when you do that collectively with the body of believers, as we'll continue to explore. Number two, we do this with complete confidence in our faith. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. He provided what we needed in order to draw close to him, not only singly in prayer, but collectively as a body of believers. But here's where the rubber meets the road. So far, we've not talked about fellowship, but that's an important element of getting together as a group of believers. Fellowship, that is important but it shouldn't be the only thing and it shouldn't be the priority. The priority should be you want to be in God's presence. But let's get to number three, the recognition that we need one another. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need one another. As I'm watching everybody filtering in on Sunday mornings and, of course, after the service in our time of fellowship, what I see is really an amazing thing at New Promise Church. New Promise Church gets that aspect of it, the aspect of the fact that we need each other because of the things that we all talk about, it's not talk, 
It's not idle chatter many times and most times. It's not. It's things that are significant going on in our lives. And so as a result of that, we can speak life to each other. We can spur one another on, the scripture says, to those good things, toward love and good deeds. Number four, and this gets back to the James Dobson story that I told you. That, I, I mean, that it's been 25 years, and I still remember how touched I am when I recall this story. It was moving. Prioritizing our regular assembly. Verse 25. Prioritizing our regular assembly. And the scripture says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And of course, that could be anywhere. We've, we've heard of such people. In fact, one of the things, one of the uh, characters on the Waltons, who remembers the Waltons back from the, from the 70s and early 80s? It's one of the longest running, most successful drama series uh, that started with the movie The Homecoming. And I still remember watching that as a kid on our brand new color TV set. <laughs> and uh, there was a character, John Walton, played by Ralph Waite. By the way, did you know uh, everybody, can you picture Ralph Waite, the father, in, in, in the uh, Walton series? I wish I had a picture. I, I didn't think uh, to bring it up. But anyway, did you know that uh, Ralph Waite is actually a Presbyterian minister, an ordained pres Presbyterian minister? Uh, as the kids grew up, he was the one who presided over a lot of their marriages, their real marriages. Uh, and uh, so he has that religious background. But in, in the series, he played someone who believed in God, who had a relationship with Christ, but didn't see the church as an important aspect of his lifestyle. Very frequently, he went to church at the, at the calling of his family, but very frequently, I still remember some of the episodes saying, I can worship God by myself on the mountain, and that's where I meet God. Well, okay, that's fine, but you still need other people. You need to assemble together, and that's what this scripture says. Do not neglect the meeting together because You'll get a lot out of it by meeting together, as you will see. And others will get a lot out of your being here, which brings me to point five. We are all created to participate. We're all created to participate in this body of believers. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, among many other places in Scripture, point to this very fact. But I think this, is, this says it probably the best. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, period. Is there a period there? Is there a period there? Um, no. Let's continue on. That, this is the most important part. A spiritual gift is given to each of us 
so that we can help each other. Now that's the New Living Translation. You have a gift. Everyone has a gift. It could be a gift with kids. It could be a gift of hospitality. It could be a gift of making things in the kitchen. It could be a gift of organizing the kitchen for fellowship after this service is done. It can be prayer. You can be a prayer warrior. We have prayer teams now at the back of the church. And in fact, if you need someone to pray with you and agree with you in prayer, they are there to, to access so that you can pray with them. Because what does the Bible say? Where two or more are gathered in his name, there I am in their presence. That, that, those are the very words of Jesus. So you can agree with someone in prayer over a situation or over a need in your life. That's their gift. Their gift is prayer. What is, what is your gift? And what are you doing with it in the church? That's, we, we've got a, we had a drummer today. It's great. That's fantastic. Wasn't it great to have a drummer today? Amen to that. And wherever you are, you're welcome at any time. It, it would be a delight, a real delight to have you. He, he did fantastic. And our team is growing. It is growing. We had evidence of it today, a surprise evidence. Fantastic. That was drumming is that gentleman's gift. There he is. Thank you again for your service. See, he used his gift to minister to you. Everybody's got a gift. What are you doing with it in the church? And if you don't know what that gift is, explore. It's fun to explore what that gift might be and find out what it is God will have you do in the local church. So let's break away from the consumerism mentality that really is, is the culture in which we live. We live in this consumer mentality where you're, you're a consumer and you have rights. And it, wait, wait a second, you have a gift and you should be, and you know what? You will be happy serving in that capacity. You will be because you are offering up what God has given you and instilled in you and you're gonna see other people helped in that capacity. You have a gifting from God and so it's there so that you can plug into the life of the church. And if you're here and if New Promise Church is your church home, great. Find out where it is uh, God would have you plug in and be a blessing to everybody else. And if you're not sure again what your gift is, you can ask any one of us to help you explore that. We'll be very, very happy to do that. There is great satisfaction plugging into the live stream of the church. I'm gonna leave you with one more verse. And again, this is just the introduction of a six-week series on why the local church is so important and why it should be a non-negotiable. Fellowship is one of them because not so much to be the consumer, but as to give your gift, whatever it might be. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it's, it's one of my favorite Proverbs. I quote it all the time for a variety of reasons, but it fits here today. 
and that is iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I love the way that the King James Version says it, because to me, I mean, it really keeps it in focus, and it helps me to remember iron sharpeneth iron. Well, you, you see, you know, I was essentially raised in the kitchen. My, my family's a culinary family. My mom and dad owned a restaurant, and so I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. And I still can see my dad with a chef, chef's hat, with a, with a knife cleaver, and this big rod on the other one, going I can hear it in my, in my head. I can hear it going together, and you know, it, that's kind of a cool sound, but what in the world is he doing? Well, he, he's sharpening that knife so that he can do his work. Iron sharpeneth iron. But of course, that's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible's not talking about a kitchen, although you can certainly draw that, that image in your head. I can because I grew up in a kitchen. But it goes on to say, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. How do you do that? By fellowship together and by talking about the things that are going on in your life so that you can raise each other up, you can spur each other on to love and good deeds. That's what we do, not only here, collectively as we listen to messages, but before we come in here and after we leave, we're going to be enjoying some refreshments. And by the way, those refreshments, well, they're put out there by somebody whose gift is organizing kitchen stuff. It may seem like a small affair, but it's not when you consider the fact that they're providing a wonderful environment for us to iron sharpeneth iron. And that's what we're going to be doing here in, in, moment, in just a moment. That's the first element of church life. And I hope you got something out of it today. We're going to pray here in just a second. But next week, we're going to look at, now this may seem boring, but I think you're really going to like this because the Lord had his way with me this week. I was telling our prayer team in the back room that uh, I, I like to get one or two Sundays or at least start working on messages and, and getting a sense of where we're going to go in a series. And next week we'll be looking at the definition of a church. You know me, I like to pull in definitions. Definitions help us and it will help us and in a way that will really surprise you because it surprised me. I was heading in a certain direction in this message and it just wasn't, it, something wasn't clicking. And finally, I was having a rough time, and, and I, was, I got in my car. I said, Lord, this, this is, I need help with this. As I'm driving to work, the Lord speaks to me and saying, don't, you know, the first point is good. Don't, don't, don't do point two. This is, this is not the reason for this verse. Here's the reason. And he's, dry, and he's telling me this. And I'm thinking, Oh, oh, that is so good. I'm thinking, I hope I can remember this. I'm driving. So uh, I said, Lord, help me to remember this. No sooner did I get to, to my desk, before I even started drawing isobars, the first thing I did was just jotting notes. And, and, and so he led me in a changing of the message. I'll tell you what, when, when you are sensitive to the Spirit 
and the Spirit tells you to change your message, change your message. Uh, I still remember, I, it was the first time I ever um, had an interim ministry here. There was a message. I remember getting it ready. Uh, and uh, I got up one night in the middle of the night, and I sometimes will have some crackers and peanut butter at two or three in the morning. And I remember the Lord speaking to me in one of the, I mean, not audible, but I mean, it was as clear, 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 clear as day. The Lord saying, good message. That, and I had just finished for right here. I said, and he said, good message. I said, oh, you like it? He goes, I do. But, I, but now, now I want you to put it away. I said, what do you mean? He says, I don't want you to preach that this Sunday. I went, I'm, I'm chewing on my crackers. I'm going, what? I said, is this really you talking or is this just my imagination? And then there was silence. And I said, oh, wait, no, no, no. I said, if you want me to change, you're going to have to tell me what you want me to, to preach on. Nothing, silence, eating crackers. And I thought, this is, this is kind of goofy. Went to bed, got up the next morning, opened up my Bible, as I always do, reading a passage. And as I'm reading a passage, I hear, right there! That's what I want you to preach on. And I'm thinking, whoa! And it was just, again, it wasn't, wasn't that audible voice, but it was as clear as day. That's right there. Toss that away. This is what you're going to focus on on Sunday. I went, okay. And it, it, was, it was a fantastic message. So thank you for praying for me, prayer team, and for those of you that even think about it during the week. Pray for me that, that I'll be sensitive to what God will have us bring here together because we do it collectively. Iron sharpens iron. I'm counting on you to sharpen me, really. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the series. Next week, Definition, you're going to like it. And um, it's, I hope it's a fun series for you. You're really going to put in, for those that are already getting up Sunday morning going, I can't wait. This is going to put fuel on your, on your desire to be with God. I just know it. Uh, it already has for me. Let's pray, and uh, then let's, uh, we'll be closing out the service here and getting ready for fellowship. Iron sharpeneth iron. Father, thanks for this uh, day that you have given to us. More than that, thank you for your son Jesus and for the sacrifice that he made. He put on flesh. He, he laid down his glory to put on flesh so that he could pay the sin debt for every single human being who calls on his name. We call on your name, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. That's why we're here. That's, we want to proclaim your glory and tell everybody that they too can have eternal life. Help us to be that light. Help us to be the salt in a world that is tasteless and dark. Help us to not be afraid of that and to go in there confidently with our light shining and with the salt that we have to season the lives of those who are perhaps curious about us. Thank you for, for Jesus. Thank you for the series. Thank you for this church. Father, I pray for this church that you will draw more people to it 
and it will grow and grow and grow, but grow for the right reasons because people want to be here in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, uh, we have some announcements. Pay attention to your screen, and then we'll close out and dismiss you in prayer shortly. Mark your calendars for our church picnic, August 14th after the service. There are three ways to give at New Promise Church. In person in the offering box at the back of the ministry center, by mailing it in to 8671 Euclid Chardon Road, Kirtland, Ohio 44094, or online at newpromisechurch.com forward slash give. Save the date for the Fusion Fall Retreat, October 21st through the 23rd for 6th through 12th graders. This is all-inclusive weekend will cost $75. The Kirtland Community Faith Night was rescheduled for Thursday, the 18th of August. We still need volunteers to hang out at our table. And now you can go to Bible study on Wednesday night and be together on Thursday. Yay! Awana resumes on September 7th. Now is a great time to invite families that you know. Registration forms can be picked up at the children's ministry desk. We will be hosting a women's self-defense class. It is four classes on Mondays and Fridays in August. Invite your nieces, cousins, and co-workers to this unique course taught only for women. Girls 13 through 17 need parental consent. If you are wanting someone to pray with you, the prayer team is waiting for you in the back corners of the auditorium. All right, let's pray and let's enjoy each other's company. Let's fellowship together. Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for the assembly. Thank you for everybody who gave this time a priority, a place, its proper place. Uh, we elevate you, Father. Uh, we're here not because of us, <clears throat> but because of your love for us. Help us to be salt and light in this world now as we go out these doors, knowing full well that this is just boot camp, but that the world, there's a, there's a world out there that so desperately needs you. Help us to be the conduit that they will hear uh, about the good news from. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, prayer uh, team is uh, set in the back on your way out if you need prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you out there for some refreshments. We're, I'm looking forward to chatting with you some more.